And good afternoon. It's four, uh, a few seconds after 4 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM, located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. This is Finding a Voice, spoken word programming here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. In the first hour from a September 10th reading and launch event, Held at Novel Idea Bookstore, you'll hear Penn Kemp reading from and launching two books, Fox Haunts and Local Heroes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I didn't mention that. Elizabeth Green uh, organized an MCD event that evening. In the second hour, from a September 25th event held at the Grad Club, you'll hear the first Queen's Poetry Slam event of the year and uh, the first in this year's monthly series with readings or performances by Sadie, Connor, Tia, Christian, Holly, Billy the Kid, Tabassum, Kobe, Izzy, and Alyssa Cooper. This first, though, the us- just the usual hourly announcement. Occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all, complain- uh, all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the in- creative integrity of both the author and the piece. Uh, I do have a number of approaching uh, events and calls, and we'll spend at least, I think, a few minutes at the end of both hours today sharing those so and fitting this will fill most of this first hour uh again a september 10th event held at novel idea bookstore hosted and organized by elizabeth green you're going to hear pen kemp uh, launching two books that evening uh you'll hear both the reading and the short q a that followed so here we go. Elizabeth Green introducing Penn Kemp. Okay, well, um, we're going to start, but please, everyone, concentrate on the two people who aren't here and try to bring them here. And they left to <laughs> There's one. <laughs> now, um, okay, that worked beautifully. So, so now please concentrate on the other one. Um, I don't think so. Any, anyway, um, I'm very delighted to welcome Penn Kemp to Kingston. Um, she hasn't read here for a long time. Um, she's written a lot more since the last time she read here. Um, I... I became aware of her in the 60s when I was um, trying to start a literary magazine and we got this wonderful poem called Timmons by Penny Chalmers and I you know for years I wondered well what happened to Penny Chalmers and she turned she into transmogrified she turned into Penn Kemp and you know and became a, a major Canadian poet so I'm taking the rest of this off the novel idea um, website so Penn is a poet, a performer, a playwright. Um, she she crosses boundaries. She's multi-talented. Um, she's been celebrated as a trailblazer first since her first publication of poetry by Coach House Press in 1972. And she's been called a one-woman literary industry um, as... Um, okay, she was London London's first poet laureate. Um, and she was also um, Western's writer in residence. So she's made a lot of things happen in London. 
Um, somebody had to. Well, somebody had to, but you did. <laughs> um, um, she was the League's 2015 spoken word artist, and she's um, read all over Canada and participated in poetic and cultural and dramatic and ritual life all over Canada. Um, she has multimedia releases and 30 books of poetry, prose, and drama. So she's going to be reading from and launching a new collection of poetry, Fox Haunts, from Elis House, and an anthology, Local Heroes, from Insomniac Press, um, and possibly reading from a not very much older book, Barbaric Cultural Practice. And she's here on HD's per birthday, and she's going to read goddess poems, so lucky us. So please, please welcome Penn Kemp. And, Also try to be in Aurora. <laughs> yeah, Rory. Yeah, Aurora. Rory. Um, fox hunts. I I usually am a sound poem or a performance poet, and I fox hunts haunts me. As a child, you'll hear a story that happened, and it sort of then Fox became my familiar, and I'm still writing on it. I'm writing a new manuscript called Shenanigans, and Shenanigans is old Irish for I play the fox. <laughs> a child's garden fox. In, in um, Fox Hunts, I'm going through all the mythology of foxes that I can think of. I use, uh, and this is why it, it's continuing and continuing, because I, uh, every time I read fox in a poem or a story, I make a little note of it. Uh, I think maybe I will start with that uh, idea. This is fair play on fur in F sharp. Until the fur market dropped out, Alice Monroe's father raised foxes. In kennels on a farm farther from civilization than teenager Alice Laidlaw preferred. Think of the kill. Old horses in the barn waiting their turn to be fed, to be feed. Foxes to be fed, to be pelted, not petted. In dear life, Alice waters their foxes. She seldom writes about feeding them horse. Good, good uh, plug for Alice <laughs> in a bookstore. <laughs> a child's garden fox. Sleepy, sleeping in my mother's lap, nestled when a fox ran in front of the car and was transfixed by the headlights. Ran and ran, but could not escape the trajectory of light. Caught, turning head back, tongue lolling as in the pictures of foxes hunted. The eyes like cats, catching the light, transmuting it, phosphorescent, bouncing it back. Look, he shook his head and ran off into the woods, finally. I 
did not wake up. But that night, for nights after, there was a fox in my room, in my bed, under my bed. Mommy, there's a fox in my room. Make him go away. He was very large, and his coat shot off sparks in the dark. His coat, his eyes were lit coals. He had sharp white teeth. He was prowling, he was growling. A sudden switch of the light evaporated him. I could just catch his tail, glimmer away up into the light fixture. He would curl behind the light, cunning, until the light was turned off. Then he would continue to search. My father, for comfort, explained that foxes were really tiny, like little dogs, and they were more scared of me than I was of them. Well, the fox I knew wasn't scared one bit. <laughs> he was going to eat me alive unless I played dead. I froze into the mattress a freeze. The fox could not smell out the stiff. And looks like we have a minor glitch here. Let me just get this back up. And you are listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. And let's see what happened here. It's kind of a nice day out there today. Yeah, talk about weather when you don't know anything else to say, Bruce. Let's go ahead and see if I can find this folder and try to get it back too close to where we were before. At least, how's that? My apologies to Penn for this, but... These things do happen. Give me just a second here to try to find out where we were. I know we were about 32 into it. Let's see what we've got here. And I hope you all have wonderful plans for this weekend. And let me see if I can get close again. My apologies to Penn. But I'm going to overlap just a little bit. You're going to hear part of it again. How's that? Here we go. Let's try this. Comfort explained that foxes were really tiny, like little dogs. And they were more scared of me than I was of them. Well, the fox I knew wasn't scared one bit. <laughs> he was going to eat me alive unless I played dead. I froze into the mattress a freeze. The fox could not smell out the stiff and still I could I could sleep warily. By day my father used his imagination. Foxes are really tiny, he said. So small you can hardly see them. 
that's because you watch from daylight eyes, I thought. And foxes come out in the dark. So small, you can never see them. Look, there's one now. <laughs> he followed something flying and caught, cupped it in his huge hands. Slowly, he opened them to let me see. It's a fox, he said, and they scare easy. Be very quiet. The is right behind. Yay! <laughs> Yay! The fox appears. <laughs> I peered into the dark cavern of his hand. The something, nothing was gone. Not in palms hollow, nor in the crevices between fingers. Look, there he is, flying, there. I followed a something flying, dubiously, till catching on. Hey, another one, he pointed, exulting. I'll catch it. I squealed and caught it. I got one. <laughs> the nothing in my hand brushed my skin like a moth's wing, tickling powder. See? Dad looked in. The fox flowed out and perched atop the china cabinet where no one could reach. Never mind, there's another. We were all around the room after foxes. They never stayed in my palm the way they did in Dad for inspection. <laughs> I tried to see their wings. I didn't know foxes had wings. They were all around the room, hovering at the edge of sight and prancing. They were like fireflies whose lights went on, went out. This little fox haven is a QR code, and if you know how to do this, which I do not. What you do is you take your smartphone mm -hmm. and you place it up against the code and then you have a video of me performing the fox poem. <laughs> Come on in, Rory. Yeah, there, there's lots of room in the front row if you don't mind front rows. Huh? You have no choice. Okay, we're, we're, we're all here, so now I think I need to thank Oscar and Joanna for providing such a lovely venue for, for poetry and Joanna for providing lovely refreshments. So, you know, and buy I'm, their books. And buy their books. Well, we all do. <laughs> yes. Okay. I, I, I knew I forgot something. So. <laughs> I am sorry, Rory, I did the best thing I will ever do all night. It's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> but if you put your phone to that little medallion. Yes, yes you too. <laughs> she probably knows how to do that. Um, the one after that is one of my favorites. And I, you have to be old enough, but I think some of you are, where you had a grandmother or a mother in the late 40s, 50s, who had a fox stole with a little shrunken heads that would go <laughs> clack, 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 
Steal, stole, stun. The dry heads of black fox hung from my grandmother's stole as if ready to strike. Dead flat button jet eyes shut tight to their own secret wiles. When she turned to talk to me from the front seat of Dad's meteor, the foxes would swing in turn back as if they too had something to say. And what they whispered was darker than words, darker than the deepest lake they drowned in. That dark knew how to spread and fill the entire car. Their dark buried my grandmother's kind words in black ink. They buried her and her stories of wild Irish banshees wailing on roofs to warn us of imminent death. Natural magic. Fox creeps through stillness as its own sphere, whether snow falls or feathers. Vixen slips off her black gloves and turns them inside out. Now white gloves leave no trace on the ice. Only a slight rank stench of wild is left on the track. A disturbance somehow out of bounds. Did you notice anything off the ordinary? Ah, we're coming up to equinox, so I'll read you this poem at the moment of equinox. I enter the garden, the ground still held by winter, spring almost released. I stand at the center into which all flow, from which all emerge. Wind in the upper birch <coughs> stills. <coughs> the garden's breath is so long it is immeasurable, but I wait, offering awareness as witness. Pivoting, I pray. North, grant us your clarity and strength. West, your surrender, acceptance. South, your joy and creativity. East, your initiation, inspiration. Sky, your broad view. Earth, your ground, your holy round. The moment is held in a bowl beyond comprehension, beyond belief. May we carry balance lightly on each step of the way till it recurs six months off. May we find a way to become whole. May the earth find her stability. May the equanimity of equinox be yours, be ours. The way fox holds her ground without belief in beyond.
the ones I'm passing over are, of course, <sighs> the best ones. <laughs> 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 A lot of them um, come from uh, different, as I said, different things I've read. This is from Yeats, adapted from Our Lady of the Hill, Celtic Twilight. She is the fairy out of the foxglove, Yeats remarks, that as children we measured by the fox burrows in the hill when we belong to God and to his works and to things come down from the ancient days. And from Yeats's Enchanted Wood, what the old countryman said, the foxes were once tame as the cats are now, but they ran away and became wild. Foxes and cats alike above all, to be in the forths and lisses after nightfall. And this one is Reynardine from Helen Mamie's Mr. Fox. Reynardine is monstrously cruel, but sometimes to a woman who takes him at his word, he can show kindness. Let the fox descend into earth. In the folklore of flowers, foxglove holds the power of opposites, beauty, and danger. Foxglove contracts the heart, so if your heart is slow, <coughs> foxglove heals. If normal, it kills. A witch might well turn the woman into a fox, but could she turn the fox back into the woman she once was? On condemnation and canticles. In Hebrew scriptures, fox, you are given a bad name. You swallow the grape just as it's ripe, ready to pick. You ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are blooming in the Shulamite asks Solomon to catch for us foxes, the little foxes. Why does repetition resonate pathos? Ezekiel berates you as false prophet, but to whom? You follow your own spirit, fox, and snare what you need. You're no false or foolish prophet, despite your scams. You're not gone into the breach, but why should you protect those who are out to kill you and your kits? You tunnel through literal or figurative gaps into dark warrens. You undermine the known ground, warning. What do foxes do? Lurking among ruins, around corners, devising new deception, new ruses to dodge us looking for food in cornices, in desolate spaces men have deserted. No grapes grow here, so why are you still searching? Have desert mice invested in interstices of decaying cracks in columns only you can dig out? Fox of Fox Hollow, inform us. Tell us your plans. Make us laugh. How endings multiply. Fox, at the end of a long shenanigans, you were just fox going about a fox's affairs as yourself, taking care of the business of survival. 
ensuring the propagation of your species. Listen, I release you to the wild that is your home beyond fantasy land. I realize you are real and on your own. May you be protected from projection, liberated from confining thought form. On your own, you'll do just fine as long as we humans don't interfere with your livelihood, your lifelong neighborhood. May you be free from old mythologies that call you trickster, demon, temptress, ghost, and fraudster. May you run free. But one last word to thank you as always for your presence, your feral visitations. Long may you streak through my dreams. I'm going to take a moment to try to find the one that I was thinking of performing for Elizabeth because it's based on... I have found it. I need to say no more. It's based on Larissa Lai, a Canadian Vancouver poet, uh, The Celestial Fox. And it's speaking as... Oh, yeah, the story is that when... uh, The mythology in China is that when a fox is a thousand years old, it gets, well, you'll see in the poem. This is the celestial fox, just about to reach a thousand. There are creatures who live below the earth, and creatures who live in the air above it, and there are those who can travel between both. Foxes, we are called. Never mistake my aspiration for your own. I am not only mischief-maker or medium to the divine. I just pursue you, I just pursue you because I require your chi and your vitals to follow my destiny. For I intend to become the famous nine-tailed fox of legend. You know it takes time to collect all nine, each tail a badge of merit, mine. In a mere thousand years' effort, I shall turn eternally golden, immortal, ascending to heaven forevermore. Oh, miracle of glory! Oh, rapture! First, I absorb energy from moon, from night, and from you, scholar, in my guise as beautiful woman. Call me Skitsuna and enshrine me in Shinto temples. Honor me, and I will bestow knowledge of the future and the power of wisdom. Pay me homage, and I may even turn out to be the perfect wife to a good man. (laughs) Time will tell if that be you. Though time favors me even as you fade, A fox's tail is not easily hidden. Inari, kami, a fox's. This is similar, but it's Japanese rather than Chinese. Although the Shinto would be Japanese as well. Fox girls dance beneath the twisted maple, calling their sisters to transform from mist to beguiling women with red in their hair. That's a tr- perfect poem for Kingston. I've never seen so many red-haired women as in <laughs> Kingston. They're all fox spirits. Mm-hmm. 
Fox spirits parade by a frightened child in Kurosawa's dream. Their wedding is never to be witnessed by human eyes, but the boy survives, changed a changeling. Kurosawa embodies his recurring dream in the film Sunshine Through the Rain, exonerated by the Katsuni for intruding on their realm. Devotees wrap votive scarlet bibs on fox at Inari's forest shrine, beseeching messengers to intervene with their deity. These foxes hold wish-fulfilling jewels. In return for favors, we adorn you, we adore you, and are protected, blessed, absolved, forgiven in forgiving and in giving thanks. This is the other book I'm launching tonight. It's called Local Heroes. And I'm going to read, uh, I came, I opened this, so I'll read a sound poem for the woman who wanted a sound poem. It's called uh, When the Heart Parts. Um, and it's the sound of instrumentation of the machines in a hospital ward. And it's the sound of a, a, a car coming through snow trying to get to that hospital. I don't know how long our how it, it can go on for 20 minutes with 16 different uh, voices, so I won't keep you for that. When the hard parts company, 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 when the hard parts company from the hearth, when the hard parts company from the hearth, when the hard parts company from the hearth, the heart does not stop. When the company, when the company, when the company, the company part, when the company part, when the company part, when the heart, the art does not stop. Uh, that was in honor of my father and uh, the pan, if you notice, come pan, um, he did the cover of this painting and it's pan, so mm -hmm. I've never been able to read it. This is the very first when pan matches pan. But the poem that I am looking for is for Teresa. And I wrote two plays and a long series in this book. It's not an anthology, it's a collection of my writing. Um, but it's called Local Heroes and dedicated to local heroes. Um, and Teresa Harris was a young woman in London, in, born in 1839, who married at 20, much as I married at 21, and ran away from London to traverse the world, much as I did. So I had a certain affinity for this woman a hundred years later. But the poem I am desperately trying to find is, I could probably, oh, here it is. I think it's here. All these poems are so good. I'm so, I, I just get <laughs> caught up in trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to read something else. There's a musician or two in the crowd. Shall we sing? 
<laughs> uh, I can't find it, but I'll tell you the tale of it. I guess I don't need to. The um, cover picture is in the Harris Fawns at Western Archives. They gave me permission, and the poem's about, if I cannot find it, uh, the look of complete and utter colonial arrogance on her face that absolutely parallels the camel's arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, compared to the camel driver's scowl, which she does not see, but which the photographer certainly does. And what's also interesting, this uh, photograph was taken in 1870, and she's wearing a full crinoline over which is a burnoose. So the whole colonial style is, uh, etc. The poem is much better, <sighs> I think. But it's not here. It's not popping up. Oh, because I read one for Alice, I'll read you this for Alice as well. Goldilocks meets Alice in Huron County. And once again, I write a lot of dream poems. I dream a lot, and um, why not make use of them? They're gifts. Rounding the yard at the end of the lane, looking for Alice Monroe's old home, I knock on the first door. This house is much too classically fancy to be hers. The next cottage is too run down. The third home is just right. So I open the door and walk on in. Frail Alice greets me scared, eager for any excuse to dismiss the nurse at her side who is inquiring about symptoms of spreading cancer. I'll chat with you in a moment, Alice sings out. Around her is a gray circle of regulars waiting for their meeting to begin. The leader, a middle-aged minister, betrays but little impatience. As the ladies distribute a potluck, Alice is asked that I be included. We turn no one away in need, the minister replies haughtily regarding my girth. I'm in no danger of starving, I respond. One by one, the folks check in with stories of countering devastating depression. I look around in wonder at the upright citizens of a small Sowesto town, whose truths Alice has been dealing for decades, the forebears of her tales, the writer's source, her fare and sustenance, and now their claim to pride. The poem for the cover on what is perceived. How proudly she would have donned this rough burnoose over her crinoline cage in the way she adopted cultures as overlay. Teresa displayed her daring and a carefully withheld posture of glee, cloaked for the moment as a native. The camel would have stooped for her. Its driver would have offered his hands as stirrup to mount the behemoth. She would have clasped the saddle pommel to keep upright as the camel rocked to its feet. It probably spat indignantly at the flick of its driver's whip, but rose with its Q 
peculiar elegance to stand at his command. Teresa could not know her proud stare at the unseen photographer matched the camel's arrogant glare, a secret triumph apparent in upturned lips. She would not notice the driver's scowl, scowl, nor wonder why he glowered so. Was it the long wait for the camera to take, or a larger colonial wait on Egypt's Fellaheen. It would be decades before Teresa could recognize equality among humans. Animals were easier to love since, since she turned to pets for comfort, those beneath her in family hierarchy. So that's part of a long sequence of poems about uh, the wonderful story of Teresa because she became one of Victoria's Victorian times um, major explorers um, because she learned how to do um, I can't remember the word for how you measure distances and so on uh, with her father in after the war, war of 1812 um, and this is barbaric cultural practice out from Quattro. And this, we were talking earlier today about where were you when the moon, people landed on the moon, mm. and this is where I was. Walking on the moon in Muli Ibrahim. Memory and thin air, they play tricks. Memory and America, they play tricks. They have, we have landed, they tell us, in the center for all Morocco of magic and the old ways high in the Atlas Mountains. We have heard this. What we have not heard or seen happens for the first time today via the one TV in the one cafe. Apollo astronauts land on the moon, a high step in slow motion, gawky in grayscale. Ha, says Omar, what a stunt. Those Americans are so clever, but we know Moroccans are not so easily tricked. This is a fiction to entertain the people. Quel blague. <laughs> he pretends to toss a rock off the dusty floor at the screen. The crowd in the cafe laugh at the outlandish gear, the preposterous instrument and helmet gimmicks clumsier than any cartoon. Still scoffing, the moon men jostle outside and, hidden in hooded dungeabas, melt into their own lunar dusk, their own grey plateau. Ah, lunar plexus. I devised, so so we all know the solar plexus as the instrument of will. I devised a lunar plexus which goes as a hammock at the back for women. There is a band of words just above the ineffable fabric of love that allows for poetry. A slim arc over the abyss of pure being that roils below, 
that royal knowing we aspire to by drowning self-consciousness in a whole blue that is sea, sky, one and the same. At last, alas, the loss of letters on the tongue in the circumference web of time, all present now. Numbers churn on, press forward as if progress were real, progression royal, all things aspiring hold their breath toward reality for the sake of all sentient beings. Although there is always time for the typing of lines on the screen, there is hardly a moment for editing it back down and over to you. Lobbing the poem over the net, love all. And this one again, throughout this book, there are 19 of these little QR codes, and you get to see a video of me. Uh, it's actually a lovely video with uh, art and so on. Um, I promised, I promised, I promised, I promised. I promised a goddess poem, and I know there are a lot in here. You'll just have to be given the book. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it on safe. Goddesses are in the air. Yes. In light. Let the light in, please. Open the blinds to see that shadow lies where light does not fall. Where there is no shadow, there could be no fear. Where there is no fear, all is light. Let light penetrate all our permeable membrane of skin. Let it illuminate dark corridors of blood and vein. Let light fill our whole body till cells dance like dust motes. Let the sun beam light through our pores till we glow luminous and radiant, incandescent as the day's eye. Let us eat light like plants. Let us chew the bright air till we can swallow light like fire eaters. Let us assimilate light till we are light. Just that bearable lightness of being just. Light spills over into song. Birds catch the drift and carry on a measure beyond any known syntax into currents contemporary, always. Days I, the sun behind our sun, continues to fly high and wide, a flash of orange burning tiger in the wings, with the angels if you believe, in the wings if you do not, and if you do still in the wings, heard, susurrating, radiance felt, all presence, ongoing cultural practice. It is possible to be that large. Embrace the whole green planet. Bear down hard. It is not just possible. It is necessary. Thank you. Thank you, Pim. That was a lovely reading. And maybe people have questions.
or comments or anything they want to ask or you're all struck dumb by it? <laughs> celestial light? <laughs> I'd love to see the picture on the cover of the second book that you read because I couldn't really see it that way. Thank you. Oscar has it for sale. Yeah. <laughs> it's she is an amazing woman, but still a woman of her time, still Victorian. But she lived from 1837 to 1928. So her husband, who was a first uh, great game hunter, became a conservationist, and she became. Um, a really interesting collector of plants and so on. So they moved from. Experience. What do you call? Please help me. When you when you you know like you triangulate and surveying. Surveying mm -hmm. is the word. Uh, her father in the Great War in the War of eighteen twelve, which we know about here, yeah. um, uh, was a surveyor on Lake Erie, and um, they her mother Amelia and the twelve children would spend a lot of the time in the. Uh, uprising of 1837, um, uh, creating bullets in their own kiln downstairs <laughs> in their basement. And uh, so she had been taught the tricks of surveying. And Victoria uh, and Edward later um, had them, as, because they were um, financially well off and privately funded, they didn't need publicity, they didn't want publicity. They were working for the king and the queen later, and vice versa, to um, explore and to survey um, disputed territory in Afghanistan and China and Russia. Really, really fascinating. And my trick, my little bit of knowledge is that, or my guess, is that she, having learned surveying, then taught St. George Littledale, her big game husband, yeah. to uh, survey, and that's how they got to triangulate distances and map out the territory. Mm -hmm. So, pretty amazing. Questions? Yes. Yeah. When you first knew that you wanted to make poetry, what were some of the movements within yourself? Mm -hmm. I was six. I had an Irish grandmother mm -hmm. who taught me to... Uh, see fairies in the bottom of my garden and hear banshees as in that fox the tale of the stole and so I was uh, my father was a painter as well as an insurance executive but so I was raised to be free to uh, live with mystery and I wasn't shut down the, the mathematical part of me the scientific part of me was completely shut down and I'm left-handed so I lived in a very right brain universe till I came Oh, I'm still there. <laughs> and I recognize, I remembered where I last saw you, John. It was with Varya somewhere in, in uh, Vancouver. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Varya Rubin. Yep. Oh. Other questions? Like, did that answer? Or yeah. do you want a more, I then went through Honours English and no, traipsed about answer. revolutions yeah. and... The mystery explains it all. It does. <laughs> As if it did. <laughs> it gives you a, a window anyway. Yeah. I really, really love, um, um, you were asking about sound, and I really resonate with sound poetry um, as a way of communicating the whole, or as much as possible, of the mystery. Um, so I do a lot of CDs and do a lot of... Uh, 
uh, some, I'm working with people now on a, on a piece called River Reverie with a Y, riverreverie.ca, and it's uh, poems with augmented reality videos. So I, I do not, I have a mechanical aptitude of minus two on a percentile basis. <laughs> but I love, I collaborate well, so. You may have sort of just answered that, but do you always work in free verse? Or were there structures there that I was missing? Um, I do a lot of asanas, a lot, but far too much of alliteration, perhaps. And, yeah. yep, and um, I do a lot of internal rhyme, but I'm of the school where I, I'm really in field. I was raised, um, I think my education really began with Black Mountain poetry with Creeley and so on. And so I was really raised in the... And because my father does these wonderful abstracts, a field, Clement Greenberg kind of field of color, color painting, color field. Uh, so I think in terms of fields. And and I look at the... And at these, not so much. I, I don't know. As I get older, I'm getting straighter. I cannot believe this. But, well, yeah. So there, no. the, the pieces on the page are meant to... The white spaces are meant to give you time to breathe and give you time to open up to the whole mm -hmm. field. So did you spoken word? Yeah, but I don't do the... I find I, I really don't like um, getting into... Oh, much as I rant, but I only rant when I'm furious. <laughs> <laughs> then I really am good, but it's usually at uh, somebody who is in the family. <laughs> And I, I'm not interested in the storytelling kind of rant of, uh, of spoken word. I've been to a lot of uh, festivals and so on, but I'm always doing something completely different than the other guys. I don't think logically, rationally, you may have guessed, but... Your own logic. I was in a bed in uh, Hotel des Bains, in 67, 68, in Paris, in Rue de l'Ambre, reading Claude Lévi-Strauss. And he said, and it was really good in French, but he said that madmen, bricoleurs, like jugglers, and poets were all completely sane, uh, except they started from different premises. They have lived my life by that premise. <laughs> He's not a relative. Yeah. I'm a no. Scottish Kemp. He's yeah. an English Kemp. He's a performer. I know. He just died. He just died. died. Yeah. Just I, died. Yeah. I know. He's a wonderful clown. Together. You would have done yeah. it all together. <laughs> yeah, I studied with him. Did you really? Yeah. I associate yeah. him with England. Yeah, yeah. he's mm. amazing. Mm. Well, maybe I'll conjure his spirit and see if he. Just, but really, we we Scottish Kemp's don't talk to the English Kemp's. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Just okay, joking. Well, I'd, I'd like to um, thank Ted again for a lovely mm -hmm. reading. I'd like to thank all of you for coming on such a rainy night. And wow, this is a very nice audience when there's so much going on. And you know, that, this this has been lovely. And again, thanks to Oscar and Joanna for really always, always giving such a warm welcome. And you know I'm here to sign your name and my name.
And you just heard uh, in an event as hosted by uh, Elizabeth Green and held at the Novel Idea Bookstore on September 10th, Penn Kemp uh, reading from and launching two books that evening, Fox Haunts and Local Heroes. And uh, I had mentioned, I think I'm going to take the opportunity to do that now, a few events. But before I do that, uh, I want to... uh, Thank you for tuning in to the first hour today. Hope you can stay tuned for the second hour, and you're going to hear uh, readings and performances from the, let's see here, what day was it? September 26th, Queen's Poetry Slam uh, at the Grad Club, and the first, uh, their first one of this year will always be a last Wednesday night of the month. Uh, reading, uh, reading, open mic, and slam competition. And uh, that one, will, the next one, will be coming up next Wednesday. So I'll just mention that briefly now, but I hope you can stay tuned for the second hour. And uh, one other thing, uh, both hours of today's show will be uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after I get home. Save there for approximately four years at finding a voice on the cfrcfm.wordpress.com. I'm going to just briefly mention, because I mentioned uh, the calls that... Uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. So I will tell you that the two that are expiring, I'm just going to give you what they are and the website if you're interested. Uh, there is the CBC Short Story Prize. Uh, it does expire uh, on October 31st. Uh, uh, I would just suggest uh, going to their website if you're interested, www.cbc.ca slash books slash literary prizes, and it should take you right there. Another one is expiring on November 1st, and it is called the Young Buck Poetry Prize. CB2 Magazine has created this and is running it. And again, if you are interested, www.contemporaryverse2, the numeral 2, all one word, of course, .ca. And uh, I'm sure you will easily find uh, the Young Buck Poetry Prize on there. Moving straight into the events, then, uh, the ones coming up tomorrow is a uh, Kingston Writers Fest uh, 10th Annual Off-Season event, an evening with uh, Jean Chrétien, who will be uh, in a discussion and uh, talking about his new book just uh, launched called My Stories, My Times. That will be, and I'm rushing through these just because I have so few minutes, and there are, I, I think there are 11 events coming up this just this coming week and 11 more the week after. So maybe not quite as many this week, but there are 11 the week after. Uh, so uh, that's coming up tomorrow evening, October 27th from 7.30 to 9 p.m. It's going to be held in the Bellevue Room at the Holiday Inn, which is located at 2 Princess Street, so right at the end of Princess uh, for more information, just check out their website, www.kingstonwritersfest.ca. You can also email them, info at kingstonwritersfest.ca. I don't know if you'll still be able to phone them tomorrow, Saturday, but it's 613-767-0513. Tickets are $35 in advance, $40 at the door, so you can still get tickets there if there are if there is still room. For those of you in Toronto, there's an inaugural book launch and reading tomorrow. It's uh, Hidden Brook Press is uh, launching uh, the John B. Lee Signature Series. 
uh, reading. In addition to John B., that day will be the three books coming out, the first, uh, the inaugural launch. Uh, you'll hear readings by April Bulmer, Don Gut- Guteridge, and uh, John D. John D. Leonardo. So that's happening to, on Sunday afternoon from 2 until 4.30 p.m. Uh, meet the author dinner. Uh, we'll follow at 5 p.m. if you're interested. There is a $15 entry fee, but that does pay for one copy of the book. Uh, com for more information. It will be held in the Kensington Market area in the supermarket restaurant and bar that's 268 Augusta Avenue. Again, that's in Toronto. Uh, The next uh, one I'm going to mention that I briefly mentioned uh, is the next event in the monthly Queen's Poetry Slam series. So you're going to hear the first session here in the next hour. That's happening Wednesday, October 31st, 8 p.m. Doors do open at 7.30 at the Grad Club. I think everybody knows where that is, but if you don't, 162 Berry Street. You can check out uh, more information on their Facebook page. So just uh, check out Queen's Poetry Slam there uh, for more details or updates. Uh, There will be a book launch and reading at Novel Idea Bookstore on Thursday, November 1st from 7 to 9 p.m. Novel Idea Bookstore is 156 Princess Street. Uh, Sean Milan, an award-winning reporter and foreign uh, correspondent for the past 30 years, will be launching a new book and travel memoir called Falling for London. Uh, Then what we've got... uh, Wow, I can't believe I did that. There are some, I would just suggest there are a couple of events coming up through the Kingston Frontenac Public Library. So why don't you check out their site because there are some coming up and continuing, but some of them starting this coming week. Uh, And one of them is Thursday evening, November 1st. And I think I passed over another one, but it's just www.kfpl.ca and that will take you there. I do have to do this now. I'll catch you right after the top of the hour again. Thanks for tuning in. Well, welcome back to the second hour of today's show. It's just a bit after 5 o'clock, and you are listening to Finding a Voice uh, here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. Here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6, we do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. Again, thanks for tuning in to the first hour for those of you that were there, and uh, welcome to the second as well. Uh, coming up in this second hour, uh, well, with the uh, uh, next one, as men- just mentioned, coming up uh, this coming Wednesday at the Grad Club, you'll hear the full of the... Uh, September 26th, uh, Queen's Poetry Slam uh, in their monthly uh, event last, uh, as again, the last Wednesday night of the month. Uh, and that will ha- be that way there at the Grad Club uh, for the university calendar year and runs into spring. This, though, as always, the usual hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry, spoken word, and music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its uh, entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. 
I hope to have uh, not quite as long as I had, but continue uh, with uh, sharing just a few events before the end of the show today. Uh, but uh, that's going to be short. But I think I pretty much got through the week, but we can start into the next week. Uh, and uh, let's go ahead and just jump into this. At uh, the September 26th Queen's Poetry Slam, as emceed by Billy the Kid that evening, uh, we're uh, in it. You're going to hear uh, coming up uh, five open mic readings and then uh, two rounds of slam competition. And uh, up first, following Billy's uh, welcome to the event, you're going to hear Sadie. Uh, Kobe is the co-director of Queen's Poetry Slam. 
Uh, give it up for Toby, he's pretty okay. good. The assistant director, please focus on, but if you have a problem with anything here that is said tonight, please approach myself or Toby. Also, Studio Q is here tonight. Uh, so, uh, Lexi and Hillary are right over here. If you would not like to be photographed, uh, please also approach them. Um, and last logistical thing to cover, um, there is going to be some heavy content said here tonight. Poets are emotional people, and uh, yes, as you know what, humans are emotional people. So basically there's going to be some heavy content. Uh, we've advised poets to give content warning, uh, content warning before their piece if they feel like it could have potentially triggering content. Um, if you feel at any point that you need to remove yourself from the room, uh, there is a door right here. A uh, door by the exit sign, and next to sign here. If you see somebody who is trying to get out of the room, please give them the space that they need. Okay, so that's everything. That's everything before the actual poetry slam. So we're going to get started here with the open mic. So this is the non-scored portion of the night. And the first name that we have on the list, please welcome Sadie. your dreams and thoughts and worries to personal unpaid stranger to tuck your mind into and you pull my string and I ask does it remind you of her I feel like a piece of glass we both try to swallow you say it's sad and go to the shower wash it off part two do you think about in time when it's so late past this year it's 40 years or two and you may collide with a plot of garden I've grown for myself and there's a man kissing me in the driveway while you wait in the car to say that he's just a face to you and that though the depth between us is, still remains, there's a cardboard cutout taking your place. Just a face. You remember our dates and nothing of him and maybe there's sprouts in my garden just the same. Mortem lay their heavy bodies on the keyboard keys. I look at them and measure the tar in my lungs by the yellows of their filters. The TV turns on and off and on and off, and clothes rise from the floor and mimic the way they moved when I was still wearing them. My brain spills out of my ears. I'm on the floor being sucked through the wood fibers. I pour wine to comfort the fear in my gut. The mice stopped coming. I am no longer an artist. The clock out of batteries starts ticking. You cuddle instead of fuck me, a silent passing of sorries between our chests. Tick. The drawers feed the floor more laundry until I'm in a room of waltzing memories. Tick. 
The dishes are climbing higher, building walls around my still body. Tick. I wish I knew how to end this. I wish I knew what to do and my blood is full of fear. Fine. to empty its contents with its hands and then swallows it again. I pull my stomach out through my mouth. It wins at the sight, its vile, offensively green coat pulsing with hatred. I scrape its contents out with my hands and swallow it again. I'm still sick. I'm a malpracticing surgeon cutting myself open each night, sticking the lost ends of each mater artery into their own individual bottles of wine, wishing you wouldn't look, wishing we slept in a different bed, that thought making me sick again. The wine makes me sweet, but it also attracts the bees to my blood. Their stingers catch between my teeth. I wish I could stay sweet for you, but they fill me, replace my thoughts with the loudest white noise, a dead television channel in which I can only see images of her fucking you where we sleep. She superimposes upon everything in this house until I can no longer see my hand upon your chest as mine. I dissociate and relocate to another woman's body real enough that I can hear you tell her you love her. The bottle is empty again. I feel sick again. A frog pulls its heart out through its mouth. Yeah, and you just heard Sadie in the open mic portion of the September 26th Queen's Poetry Slam event held at the Grad Club. Up next in it, here is Connor. Next up on the open mic, welcome Connor to the stage. heard uh, Billy Kearns at the end, uh, Billy the Kid at the end, but uh, you heard Connor read in the open mic portion of the September 26th Queen's Poetry Slam event. Up next in it, here is Tia. Okay, next up on the open mic, please welcome Tia. Uh, in the form of a uh, sestina, which if you don't know, 
Uh, every stanza has the same six end words. Um, and I wrote it in that very specific form because uh, I hate myself. <laughs> it's called Batman is Coming to Kingston. Yeah. <laughs> Would you believe I am the Son of God, Messiah half-asks man at the crosswalk? Had he asked me, stranger to this city, his black tattoos and taut red scalp boiling, he'd have here the answer from my stomach. I don't not believe. He too is water. I believe most of my blood is water. I float through myself, staring up at God. Please pour the ocean out of my stomach so I could flow like liquid stone sidewalk, easy and rolling, languid and boiling, down and down and away from the city. Away from the artificial city. I want to watch the sun turn to water. Up from highway lungs, the breath is boiling, but strangers and thrifts thrift shops talk about God as something moving lightly, push-pull, walk, falling through my artificial stomach. When I feel, I don't feel with my stomach. I feel pulse, stranger, hot, bus stop, city. I never don't feel. I won't stop. I walk. I sieve fear through teeth, tongue-pushing water. Everything outside my body is God. Everything inside, a fish tank, boiling. Young punk outside DVD store, boiling. Secondhand VHS tape in stomach. What if transcendentalism is God? What if we are the waves of the city, currents of black and blue holy water, and our bones are the bones of the sidewalk? My body obligated, I must walk, must be clean. I send my skin for boiling in the water that is always water, so I can never, I find my stomach within the stomach, so I can never escape the city. The concrete hands, the heavy hands of God. I will walk until I find my stomach, not unloved, loose in the boiling city, still full of answers and water and God. Yeah, and you just heard Tia in the open mic portion of the September 26th Queen's Poetry Slam event held again at the Grad Club. Up next, from that uh, open mic portion, here is Christian. Sleep comes with the dark, and after a long day, it doesn't ask politely. It pulls me into the darkness deeper and away from myself, leaving you in a shadowed room where the furniture can take the shape of the screaming in your mind, and you have no one to make light of it. No one to toss them off of you and gently kiss your cheek until you feel comfortable enough to sleep. I'm failing you. You think, you think in the daylight when you are crying for help and lost in moments where I have wronged you and I am silent. You think that I let these moments pass me by, but when I am silent, it is only because I am drowning in them. When I am silent, it is because I can't speak and I only hope that you can hear the creak of my muscles like the wire of a coat hanger has worked its way into my veins. They creak with my stunned silence. I am sorry, I am sorry, I love you. 
dream of my breath being of some clarity for your lungs. That my own lungs could inhale any smoke you have trapped inside you, and I would then breathe back a sort of peace of mind that you have been hoping for. The practice is neat, and the rhythm of music described lyrically with a song of love that moves in and out of our chests with breaths. How I dreamed I could help. Oh, how I can help. Oh, how I look for your loving eyes to find peace in our breathing together. I gave up smoking long ago. Tar lingers in my throat still as I speak, and I can cough out poetry like I can cough out the ashes of a cigarette. I can sing songs that flow with the smoke still hidden in my lungs to breathe in. I suck the dead air I had thought to share with you, and I, and I, and I, and I choke. And for you to say that you are poison to me then, when I am only poison to myself. And when I breathe you in, I find clarity like the air from a tree, and I inhale calmly with the peace I've been searching for. like an altar to devote my own disgust because self-hatred is the first step to self-acceptance and I tell myself that it is okay to be the way that I am as long as I hate myself for it. And you just heard Christian in the open mic portion of the... Uh, September 26th Queen's Poetry Slam event. Up next from that event, here is, and from that open mic portion and the final open micer that evening, here is Holly. Last up on the open mic, please welcome Holly to the stage. I'll keep clapping, keep clapping. I've never done this before, I'm really nervous. <laughs> Not sure if it's a trigger, I talk about death a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, it's actually hard to see my book. <laughs> Hello everyone, thanks for coming uh, here today. I don't know where to start or what to say, but I always forget I'm gonna die someday. It could happen someday soon, perhaps tomorrow afternoon, but if my anxiety and worry keeps staying this high, I'm almost 100% sure it won't be long until I die. I can't help it that I worry about every single thing. The only thing I don't worry about is wearing a wedding ring, because from what I've seen are a lot of heartaches and headaches I do not want to go through, and the words, I love you cause a pit in my stomach when you say them to me. 
I thought, I thought about you every day when I was planting trees and how the only time you blessed me was when I fucking sneezed and how falling onto sticks in a pile of slash hurts less than saying I love you to someone who I consider Ash. But you taught me a lot, like what it's like to live with someone whose soul rots and stinks and fills the room with toxic air. Too bad you were, you were your best when I was never there. Because I heard you, because I heard you were great 22 years ago. But how would I know when 1997 was when I was born by a mother made of flowers held up by a father made of thorns told not to tell anybody what he yelled at her on school nights at late hours. The only solace I found was in the shower because the sound of water washing over my ears almost canceled out the sound of you drinking beer, almost canceled out the sound of when you were near to blacking out to get out of your own head at 4 a.m. when your kids were in bed, but you were wrong for I was at the top of the stairs listening to you talk about mom and love affairs. But I didn't know what you meant or why you yelled at mom. In my eyes, she was an angel and you were crud. But every day you'd come home and act like we were best buds. And little did you know, you ruined my chances at love. Because every time I fell in love, they never wanted it to last because no one could handle being a cast to my poor brain from watching my dad suck the soul out of my mom and blacken her perfect heart like a smoker sucks back a pack of darts. I don't know where I was going with this slam. I guess I just don't understand why people are so cruel or why good people die or why everybody leaves me because sometimes I cry without a good reason. Perhaps it's just living a lifetime of heartache and treason. Can we get another round of applause for all of the open mic And you just heard Holly again, the last open uh, micer in that portion of the September 26th, the Queen's Poetry Slam event held at the Grand Club. And uh, again, what's the final reader? So uh, we're going to move now into the slam competition. Uh, there were two rounds, uh, longer uh, first round and then a short second round. And uh, Billy the Kid, who was, as you've heard, the MC of the event that evening and is a co-director of Queen's Poetry Slam, was also the sacrificial poet that evening. So here is Billy the Kid. So, now we're getting into the slam portion of So, welcome to the stage. Ah, uh, yes, it's me. I am your sacrificial poet. Yeah. <laughs> I missed the moon for a boy. Two times in a row. I feel guilty each time I look into the night sky. I see her face, and when she is fully turned towards me, it's as if we're making eye contact. Nookamus, Grandmother Moon, I'm sorry. Moon ceremonies only happen every 28 days, and this is the only time I get to see these women. 
I listen to their stories and we share food around a sacred fire. With rattles and drums we sing together. Call and answer in voices all proud, nervous, and grateful, and you can hear the healing in every beat. The bowl of strawberries gets passed around and is mouthfuls of joy and juice. I want to call these women sisters, as I know they are, but I don't feel like I deserve to. I flaked out of them like stale bannock, and if I were to apologize in jam, I'd still be left with seeds in my teeth and the aftertaste of being an afterthought on my tongue. Like, really, there are people to pray for, stories to listen to, songs to learn, and Nookum is chasing this boy as a futile. I'm grasping at smoke whenever I try to feel like I'm worth his time. And in the midst of being so sure I caught a plume in my hands, I held on to time. It looked as though the fumes were embracing me as I watched the smoke slide through my fingertips and into the lungs of the next person who inhaled. She understood better than I had how to breathe around him, and I should have known that whatever spark I thought there was had died by them. Well, I am much too water to hold on to sparks. And if I'm as wise as the tides, I'll reach back towards the women I want to call sisters the next time your gravity pulls me towards our meetings. I want to sing. I want to listen. I want to breathe in the smell of burning tobacco, sage, and cedar instead of the smell of sweat on summer nights. I'll wash myself in the smoke of an abalone shell and smudge my breath until it starts working again. Nokomis, I'm sorry I missed you twice. I still love you. I still love myself. And I still love the women I want to call sisters. Thank you. And you just heard Billy the Kid as the sacrificial poet in the slam competition portion of uh, the September 26th Queen's Poetry Slam event held at the Grad Club. Up next in that first round of competition, here is Tabasum. Okay, and now up to the stage, please welcome Tabasum. My body was like a piece of plastic, indestructible. I hurled myself from trees and climbed mountains of construction rubble. I was a hellion as a child. My teachers would always tell my parents that I would sit at the back of the class and distract everyone. I thought I was being funny. My eight-year-old self with her bob-cut, ripped jeans and favorite red t-shirt thought she was the coolest thing on the block. But other people didn't think so. Insults were peppered into casual conversation. Maybe you should bleach your skin, it's too dark. You're definitely on the shorter side. She doesn't look like her mom, but at least her hair is nice. Oh, she's still short, it's a shame. I didn't understand why you said it. I was just a child, so I ignored it. They became more frequent as I got older. You're getting older now, Tabasa. You have to act like a girl. I was ashamed of myself. I couldn't sit there and make small talk like the other girls, couldn't cross my legs like the other girls, couldn't giggle when appropriate like the other girls, wasn't shy like the other girls. I'm a girl. I felt ashamed because they made me feel like an abomination. I'm a girl, but I couldn't act like one. You know what the funny thing is? It was always only you. 
But I tried not to let you get to me. I did what I wanted. I biked everywhere. I biked everywhere. I rode a, sca I rode a skateboard. I sat backwards on chairs because crossing your legs is overrated. You hated me. You hated my independence. You hated my free spirit. You hated that I wasn't pretty or that I didn't even try to be. One night, I dared to walk to the mosque all alone, all 1.8 kilometers, and you said that I was like a boy. After all these years, I finally started feeling comfortable with my femininity because until now, the only way I thought I could be independent was if I was manly. To you, independence was synonymous with masculinity, but I, and I was synonymous with disgusting. My blood boiled, but my heart sank. My mind rebelled, but your grip cranked. My confidence plummeted like a broken dam. Your thoughts became my own, my personality blank. Your approval was my addiction, but your words were my affliction. All, are these clothes good enough? No, I'm ugly. God, I really want to eat that. But if you saw me, she'd say, you're looking a little healthy. Yet, you crushed me, yet I crave your acceptance. I dressed nice, I wore makeup, I made small talk, I crossed my legs, I was a caterpillar, but I came back as your butterfly, and I landed in the palm of your hand, and you brushed me away, and the rejection killed me. Every insult from you, I buried so far that no force on this earth could break through that little box in my heart. I covered her with laughs that even I began to believe. But today is the day I take back my power. Today's the day I can be masculine or feminine or whatever the fuck I want to be. There's fire in my veins and you are the gasoline. Your words will only make me burn brighter until the roar of the fire deafens you and you grovel at the force of nature that I am. That little box in my heart will open and the demons that play my mind with insecurities will burn. The corrosion of my soul will heal from the heat of my rebirth. And you just heard Tabasum in uh, the f first uh, round. It was the first uh, actual, was it after the sacrificial poet? So the first official poet in the first round of the slam competition portion of the September 26th Queen's Poetry Slam event held again at the Grad Club. Up next from it, here is Kobe. My brother, a woman with a heart big enough to teach me how to care for others. My brother? 
He's an asshole. And my sister is the perfect mix of all four of us that makes her impossible for me not to love. I also want to write about the first time I did spoken word in front of a live audience. I stood up, hand shaking, voice shaking, took a deep breath and said, the first time I ate avocado, it was so amazing that I came. <laughs> That's a poem by George Watsky. And speaking of Watsky, I want to write about him too, and Childish Gambino, because they remind me that the only appropriate response to stay in your lane is fuck you. And on my worst days, they remind me that I'm cool, because I sing with my acapella group on Mondays and go boxing on Tuesdays. Basically, they give me the confidence to openly admit that I like Taylor Swift. And I could go on and on about all the things that I want to write about. And you know what? I think I will. And you just heard Kobe in the first round of the slam competition at the September 26th Queen's Poetry Slam. Up next in it, here is Izzy. I'm glad I can finally look at my laptop from the comfort of a chair, but 
Looking at a nutrients chart still makes me feel nostalgic. It's like I'm still in the dark hole of illness because it's so easy to, to fall down that rabbit hole again. I say I've been recovered for two years, but sometimes I just forget that eating is something I do now. When, I not, when people leave me on the outside, why not reflect it on the inside? Or maybe that it is, I feel empty up here and I want to reflect it down here. But if the mirror in my bathroom is telling me anything, reflections can lie. And some, there might be still nights when I tell myself the ice cubes are dinner. And that chewing gum is a snack and a workout. I once told all of my friends that I had already eaten and in my head added yesterday because I didn't want to lie. I promised I wouldn't lie. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to give you any more details because what if you replay this poem like a mantra? I don't know how to talk about the darkness without asking you to turn off the lights, but sometimes the caloric calculator in my head is like ignoring a child's kicking your chair and I just, I just can't body forgive me. And you just heard Izzy in the first round of the slam competition of that evening, the Queen's Poetry Slam. Up next in it, and the final competitor in the first round here is Alyssa Cooper. <laughs> of the first Queen's Poetry Slam in September, please welcome Alyssa to the stage. Invigorated by the stretched teeth in love with the sun, my grin greets the dawn each morning. Like I am addicted to joy, intoxicated by life, I am one of those assholes who believes that every moment is precious. Like children smashing stones to see what's inside, hoping for crystals, hoping for rainbows, they see diamonds inside every lump of coal, as if beauty could be uncovered by breathless acts of violence and Maybe in all those years that I spent carving into my skin was just my way of looking for the light. Maybe in the midst of all that darkness, I always knew that I had the potential to be happy. A bright light shining at the end of a long tunnel, and maybe all these wars were just my unorthodox way of getting there. And it is true that there are no flowers sprouting up from my scars. I still can't see beauty in the memory of that pain. I will never again open a book without remembering the razor blades that I kept pressed between the pages, tiny secrets, the blessing and the curse of my perfect memory. I will never enter a stranger's home without wondering where they keep the bandages. These hands will never forget the travesties that they have committed. You can move past trauma, but you can't erase it. And like bones once broken will always ache in the winter, I will never forget smashing stones in search of beauty. These fingers will live with the guilt until the day that the 11 of us all die together, wrapped in grave clothes because the sun may kiss my skin each summer, turn me golden brown like cane sugar, but the pads of my fingers are as white as scars. They are cold ice cubes clutched in the palms of my hands, pieces of me that will never know summer. 
I am built up of shards of gray bits of stone that never uncovered a rainbow, and I smile anyways, teeth standing straight like gravestones, because I am done with mourning. I will part the pages without flinching. I never found crystals when I smashed the stones, but I learned to see beauty in the rubble. I learned that destruction is the same coin as creation, that these ice cube fingers really can water a garden. I learned that my life is a game of chance, heads or tails, and I can't win them all. So instead, I learned to look fondly on the losing. Because when I smile, it is like sunshine. And all of these moments really are precious. Yeah, and you just heard Alyssa as the final poet in the first round of the Slam competition at the September 26th Queen's Poetry Slam event at the Grad Club. As we move into the final round, here again is Izzy.
for loving me as you did and being as in love with me as you were and for letting that part of me die. Thank you for not attending the funeral of the girl who was in love with you. It means you really did love her and that you really do love me now. It means at last she can rest and that you, as I, have let her go. Blowing on the dandelions we used to wish on. She could float on the wind where she belongs. Someone else will whisper, I love you, in the back of her hand. Yeah, and you just heard Izzy in the second round of the slam competition portion of the September 26th Queen's Poetry Slam. Up next here again is Kobe. Kobe, and uh, now the final uh, reading you're going to hear this afternoon from, again, the second round of the Slam competition at the September 26th Queen's Poetry Slam event at the Grad Club. Here is Alyssa Cooper. Glitter blue, and it doesn't hurt like it used to. 
talking about things that were once like nails in my soft tissue. The iron has turned to cotton candy. The villains look like stuffed animals now. Their teeth are needle belts. They can't hurt me. They swish between my fingers like dandelion fluff. I'm superimposing fairy tales over my memories. I bleed silver like unicorns. I'm throwing up rainbows and my bones glow like pegs in a light bright. I've got nostalgia now, even for the hard times. Because you love me so much that it ripples back like butterfly wings. When I look to the past, I see myself as you might. A laughing child playing make-believe. And none of these hurts were real. They were just part of the game. The painkillers were Skittles. The blackouts were just indigestion. I wasn't crying. I was spinning diamonds. I didn't want to die. It was just time to take a nap. And when we're swapping stories, every day feels like a Saturday in the middle of a long weekend. Like, we could stay in bed all day and no one would miss us. We could eat chocolate for breakfast, cookie dough for dinner by the spoonful, and your voice is caramel syrup. The kind in plastic bottles that never goes hard, and I don't feel broken when I tell you about the things that broke me. The cracks in my porcelain start to look more like a lightning bolt, all glittering at the seams, and my ragged edges fit perfect. When I lay them against yours, they don't seem so sharp anymore. I don't think they can cut these strings. And we're holding hands like toddlers. Ice cream dripping between our fingers. We are laughing past our baby teeth, comparing our tongues after all those snow cones that should have rotted the molars right out of our mouths. But they didn't. I am rewritten. I am strong like the hero. I am brave like the knight. I am a prince with a buzzing sugar high. And I finally see beauty in my blue stained lips. And you just heard Alyssa Cooper and the final uh, performer in the uh, in the second round of the Queen's Poetry Slam held again at the Grad Club on September 26th. And just a reminder that event is now monthly uh, through this calendar year, and the next one is coming up uh, this coming Wednesday, so Halloween night, actually. And... Uh, one other thing I'm going to mention, I started it uh, as we move into uh, uh, future recordings here. And before I get into, I have just a few minutes, like I think three minutes, uh, to uh, say a few things here, but also go through uh, some events. Uh, but I did uh, begin it full on. Uh, I aired one reading from the 100,000 Poets for Change event uh, last uh, last week, uh, a full two hours of it, and uh, before that again, uh, the reading, that one reading earlier uh, for a specific reason, and uh, for the next two weeks, uh, beginning uh, November 2nd, next Friday, and through and November 9th, I'm going to air uh, the balance, uh, or as much as, yeah, I think I'll actually get it all in. All of the remainder of the September 22nd uh, 100,000 Poets for Change event. And I'm kind of, I've kind of timed it because also I'm kind of doing a plug here because we're, that is also uh, the eight days that our 2018 funding drive is going to 
run. And so I thought it would be pretty cool to include that. I'll be also in it uh, sharing a few things about the funding drive, but uh, we will hear the balance of that uh, coming up in the next two weeks. A few, just a couple, it looks like, of announcements here that I'm going to get into. Well, you know what? I'm just going to do this so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. I do want to thank you for tuning in today. I hope you've enjoyed both hours of today's show. And uh, I hope, again, as I've kind of explained what's going to happen uh, next week uh, and the week after, you can tune in those two weeks as well. And uh, keep your ears uh, peeled, too, I guess, for more information about the funding drive. I will plug one event because it's part of it, and that is uh, coming up on, uh, on November the uh, November the 6th. Uh, Tuesday night uh, will be the regular And the Journey Continues open mic reading, but that will be tied, and it will be an official funding drive event as well. But I'll talk more about that next week also. Uh, You have been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to to 6 o'clock. I do really want to thank you, and I can see I'm not going to have any time for events, but I do really want to thank you for tuning in uh, today uh, to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend and a great week. One thing you can do before that is uh, please stay tuned uh, after uh, uh, several recorded announcements here coming up uh, to Finding a Voice, uh, which airs right at the top of the hour. Uh, Two hours of East Coast music with Rob Carnell. I love listening to that show, so hope you, if you like East Coast music, I hope you can uh, tune in and catch it as well. Anyway, have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you here next week. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.